0: So for tonight and the next two Thursdays, we're going to focus on breath meditation. There are many styles of meditation. And even within the Buddhist world, many, many types of meditation, many goals for meditation. And even within Vipassana, There's not just one way. Matter of fact, traditionally there are 40 different meditation subjects given. The breath is one of the 40. However, breath is considered, is widely considered, one of the most, if not the most universal. Does this seem a little loud, echoey? Can we turn it down just a bit? How's that? I don't know, maybe just because I'm here. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Breath is one of the most uh, universal. It's said to be um, good for all types of people. Um, Sometimes we tend to think of Vipassana practice as being the same thing as mindfulness practice, but it's actually not the same thing as mindfulness. Mindfulness is a big, big piece of it, probably the single most important part. But Vipassana, I, th- I think, it would more correctly be viewed as both mindfulness and concentration working together. Okay. Um, and the breath is a very, very powerful tool for bringing both of those together. So we don't want to get off tonight so much in you know just the, you know what the teachings are all about why meditate or anything like that but um, but more really look at vipassana practice at mindfulness of breathing in particular from a practical point of view and some of the teachings around it um, So first, I just want to ask, you know, we did this little experiment. Some of you may have done it and some may not have. And I did a little bit of, made a few suggestions about the whole body. That's a real different feeling, a different experience of breath than, say, at the belly or at the nose. So I just want to take a few moments and see if anybody had any. You could have questions would be okay, but any thoughts or comments, anything you noticed, or anything around that? If not, that's fine. We'll just move on. Yeah. Well, for me, the whole body is a little diffuse. I don't, can't quite connect. I mean, I, I can feel it, but then it doesn't particularly last. I mean, I get kind of, It just seems hard to, to isolate. Right, so hard to stay really connected with the whole body. As, a, as opposed to, I suppose, when you when you zoom in on a particular place, you can really get your more concentrated on exactly. it. Right? Yeah. And the, the belly is a little more. I'm a, I can feel a little better, but I still tend to get a little lost. Whereas if I really try to stay on the upper lip, I can stay with that the best. Okay. Although. Yeah. yeah. So did everybody hear? I guess everybody can hear that. Yeah, so not everybody will experience it that way, but what you're describing is very common, not for everyone. And I, and I wanted to kind of see if people had a sense of that. You know, the oftentimes at the, whoops, at the nose, it can really be pretty sharp. The belly's really great for a lot of people, sometimes maybe not as sharp of a concentration, and then the whole body. And um, we're going to get more into that, but that's one thing. Anything else? Yeah. yeah. Um, I found it a, a good way of getting here in my body and that if I had immediately had to focus on one small part, I thought which was milk in So it was a good way of kind of really Yeah. and then belly. Right. Okay, well that was another idea I had too as a way to kind of settle in to focus in more. Um, the way I had us focus in ended up at the nose. There might have been other people who start wider and focus in and end it at the belly or the chest or something else there like that. Um, and there'll be another style also that we'll probably talk about maybe on the third night where sometimes we, that experience of the breath in the whole body and it's talked about uh, in the suttas a lot Um, can come out, naturally open up out of a very focused concentration that can really get deep. And even to some of these absorption states that we may or may not get a chance to talk about here, can the sutras talk about experiencing it through the whole body. So, you know, you can start zoomed in and and it can radiate out. You can start kind of out and it can come in. So there's a lot of different ways uh, to work with that. So we'll begin, I can't remember if I already said this, we'll begin with focusing on the using the breath for cultivating the concentration aspect of meditation. I want to focus on that tonight. And we may um, we may get, it may spill over into next time. I, we'll see how it goes tonight. Then we'll switch, uh, certainly so, some point next time, and focus on the mindfulness aspects of working with the breath and try to separate that out because you can use the breath as purely as a concentration tool and actually you can use the breath as we're going to discuss in a way where you can completely lose your mindfulness and get very very concentrated and a lot of meditative states can be generated that can happen and totally lose your mindfulness. You can also use the breath in a way that focuses on the mindfulness aspect, which we'll talk about that. And when you do that, you're naturally going to generate some concentration too. You can't do pure mindfulness and not get some concentration, but the concentration might be uh, much weaker, or much much less emphasized than the mindfulness. You could do it that way. And then the way we'll end up in this three-week series is the place where that uh, we'll talk about some of the different different teachers have people approach in a different way. The way that I found to be very, very powerful is the synthesis of the two, that we don't have to make it an either or, but there's actually a place where um, we can develop the concentration as far as we want. We don't have to hold it back in any way. It's one of these, it, really it's like, um, um, have your cake and eat it too. Totally let the concentration run but what we can do is bring the mindfulness up to meet it at whatever level it's at so they're both working together. Yeah? Could um, you please define those two terms? Yes. Yes, well, I was getting ready to, so maybe now's a, a good chance to do that. that, was the, your, that your, that's it, exactly what I was going to do. So the word concentration, actually there's this word samadhi, samadhi. Some of you may have heard this word. It gets used for a lot of, it generally gets translated. There's two ways it gets translated, mainly. One is uh, meditation. If you look at the Eightfold Path, there's a Samadhi section of the Eightfold Path, which is right effort, right mindfulness, concentration. That's the Samadhi section. In that way, it's just referring to meditation practice. But in the way we mostly are using it is, is it gets translated as concentration. But actually, samadhi is a lot more than just concentration. Uh, Concentration, I mean, the way I'm using it is, it's the ability to just to keep the mind steady and on a fixed point. So, if you're a, um, if you ever gotten involved in a book that you're reading, and it's just really engrossing. You actually have a lot of concentration there. The mind's there. It's not wandering up. You're not tending to think about dinner or the cat or whatever. You know, you're just in the book. So there's actually a lot of concentration there. I wouldn't call it right concentration because it's, it's, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, that's one kind of concentration. You know, a sniper, you know, when you're looking through that gun, I haven't actually done this, but I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm pointing. I didn't mean to you or you, but... Very, very concentrated. The mind has to be focused. It's not wandering off. It can come right down to what you want to focus on and stay there. So um, that's what I mean by concentration. It's not a big deal. I mean, concentrate's a big deal, but the idea of it is just very simple. Um, so when we sit here and work with the breath, um, depending on how your practice is, um, if you've developed a certain amount of concentration, you can just be very present and the mind really gets here and it stays. You don't lose it. You don't wander off. You just stay connected right there with the breath. It just doesn't, you don't lose. I'm, It's a very strong level of concentration to get to the point where you would never wander off, but certainly get to a place where you just really here, kind of effortlessly. That would be strong concentration. We'll talk about some of the other aspects of of samadhi later, but that's what I mean when I say concentration. That's pretty clear, right? Mindfulness is just the knowing. So um, it's just knowing. So I pick up this glass, I'm holding it in my hand, I can feel the feeling of it. If I just put my attention there, it's not any big deal. Just feel what it, I'm just mindful of, I just know in the moment. I'm just kind of awake and, and knowing. That's all it is. So there's these two aspects. It's the steadiness of mind, the presence, and the clear knowing. Does is that, is that make sense? Yeah. When you talk about this, are you uh, distinguishing between uh, momentary, uh, momentary concentration or that can be totally on anything that comes up, or are you talking about one pointed concentration? Yeah. Which one Right. Well, I was going to get to that more in the third week. But um, um, so, what, I don't know if you're going, are you going to be here in the third week? <laughs> well, we, none of us really know, right? <laughs> you know, I was just on a retreat, and, and I, one of the teachers said, uh, You know, you take an in breath, all you know is you're going to get an out breath. Don't even know you're gonna get your next in-breath. Really, I mean, probably are. We don't really know. So we don't really know, but if causes and if, if conditions are supportive, our intention. <laughs> um, so it, I hope um, that's an important question you're raising, and it is part of what I, I intend to talk about. And I hope, would, are you okay to just let that stay for now? Okay, I don't wanna leave you, okay, so good. But that's gonna, we're going to come to that. He's bringing up some more subtleties around. It's not actually that subtle, but more that we'll get into later. Concentration can be developed through two different... So now we're going to go on to the concentration piece and focus there. There's... It, two main ways we can develop concentration, two main paths of practice. One's called samatha, which just means calm. You don't have to remember all these Pali words. And one is vipassana. And the, um, insight, or actually to see, that we'll call it to see clearly or to see into. Samatha means calm. Vipassana, the, pas, the pasana comes from. This Pali word, pasati, means to see. And the vi, the prefix vi has the meaning of if it's it's to kind of pull apart. So the idea is if, um, say, say you wanted to see to the ground, but it was the area was choked with weeds, and you could kind of push your hands down in and pull the weeds apart to see clearly down in. It has that sense of pulling apart to see into. So we call vipassana just to see clearly. That's really the liberating practice here as we'll see. But first I want to focus for a minute on this Samatha piece. It's really the fixed concentration that Don was just talking about. We can use the breath in a way if we would pick some place to stay with the breath. We just stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. Every time the mind wanders away, we come back. Every time it wanders away, we come back. If we did that, our, the mind, it's, it's just like if you go to the gym and you're working on your muscles, right? If you haven't exercised, you can't lift a lot of weight, right? But you do it, do it, the muscles strengthen. It does its job. It's the same thing with the mind. The ability, the natural ability just to stay present and connected grows. It's just practice. Some of you I know here who are uh, long-time practitioners and uh, you know that from your own experience. That feeling, even when you first get that first aha experience in meditation, where the mind starts to drop in and there's some calmness and steadiness, that's the samadhi. That's that concentration piece coming, and it feels great. It's very pleasant. Okay, so we could do that. And one of the powers of the breath is is that it's changing. It's not just fixed. It's changing, right? The sensations, the in. Then there's a pause and the out, it changes. Or the belly rising and falling or the whole body. It's not fixed. It's just always changing, always changing. But it's steady enough. See, it's got both these qualities. It's got a changing quality, but it's still kind of fixed and steady in one. It's that steadiness that we keep coming back to, coming back, coming back. And it just naturally, even if you don't think about it, don't do anything else, you just sat and worked with the breath, your concentration would grow. And it will grow. Now, I know for many people who come to weekly groups um, and for many of us, you know, you know it's not so easy uh, to keep up a, a daily practice in, in our lives because, you know, we have busy lives and I don't know that many of you here, but I think that's probably true for most of us. I don't see any monastics here, m- monks or nuns. So, I'm assuming all of us, um, you know, whatever our life looks like, right? We've got jobs or relationships and homes or whatever we're doing in life. And so it's, it's not always so easy to find the time. And so lots of people come to groups like this, and maybe that's all they do in the week. I mean, it's not a judgment. It's not good or bad. I was like, that's true for many of us. And it's great to do that. I think it's very, very useful to do that. And you may find that, you know, you keep doing that, and you come here and you sit, and you don't really have a lot of that concentration because the mind, it wanders off, and, you know, you, blah, 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 and then you keep coming back, and that's kind of your sit. And it's like anything, if we're going to want to really deepen the concentration, one of the pieces is we're gonna to need to find some amount of time, we could talk about how much, there's not like this magic amount, but it takes some kind of regularity and everything. Most people find, that's not true for everyone. There actually are people, it would, be, it would not be common, who sit down and they're prodigies and they just, the mind just concentrates, okay? But if you put in enough time, and we'll talk more about what that might look like, because I want to encourage and support people who are interested to to develop more concentration if we were to do it. To put in the time, that would happen. Now, notice that, as, as you were talking about, that when we, if you work with the whole body, that had a certain feeling if you did that. And if you zoomed into some place, it's a different quality in the breathing, right? Anybody also feel that? Some people are nodding. Some... Yeah. I think for a long time in Buddhism, we don't actually know exactly what the Buddha was practicing. It's really not known exactly. He talked a lot about a lot of different kind of practices, but how did he actually do the breath? When you look in the suttas, you know, it doesn't get so specific to say, put your awareness right at the nose or right in the belly. It doesn't say that. It talks about the whole body breath and some other clues that we, and that's why with all these different teachers, you'll hear a lot of different places on where to focus the breath. Some people who, who I know here have, been, have practiced with uh, Upandita, who was in Mahasi Sayadaw's tradition. One of the innovations, uh, Mahasi, uh, Burm- great, great Burmese master, people had been practicing at the nose. One of the problems with practicing, at the, 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 the one of the strengths is if that works for you and it, and it doesn't work for everyone, it's not for everyone at the nose, but if for those who it does, you tend to get a very sharp, crisp concentration. That's where I work at the nose. And before we end tonight, I'm going to kind of give him my little sales pitch on why I, I think that might be a nice thing to at least experiment with and see if it works for you. What Mahasi did was he shifted everyone down to the belly. He also was was uh, made. Uh, uh, we owe just such a debt of gratitude because he, he opened these uh, meditation centers uh, and was a big, big uh, influence in disseminating meditation practice. So it wasn't so much just a monastic practice. And it was lay people could come to these intensive retreat centers and practice. So that, that, was, that was a big shift. It's not like lay people never did, but he really made it popularized it a lot. And in addition, he made this big shift of taking people from the nose to the belly. And they did that specifically because working at the nose, you can get such sharp concentration. I'm gonna go into this more in just a few minutes. You can lose the mindfulness because it can get so sharp, so sharp, so sharp. You can go off into these concentration states. And you get so locked in on those states and you kind of lose the the mindfulness. I'll explain that more in, in just a minute. So he wanted to put people down into the belly, which can still be very, very powerful as some of you know, for concentration. But what they did was they wanted to really stay there, stay there, stay there in the belly where it's a little more diffuse. That's one of the things I wanted to see, how you felt. You know, the whole body tends to be more diffuse. This is more concentrated. This, The nose is even a little sharper. Because he wanted the the mindfulness to really strengthen a lot before they really started introducing people to some of these other more focused meditation s- styles. It's because they, they wanted to keep the balance going. So, uh, when we're talking about the breath here in these next three weeks, um, I f- have found that working at the breath, has been, with that the nose has been very powerful, but definitely you can just substitute in the belly for all of these if that's what you do. It's definitely not, you know, where if you went out there to Thailand or Burma, you'll find a lot of teachers teaching you at the belly, a lot at the nose, some in the throat, the chest, some in the whole body. You'll get the whole range. So there's no right or wrong. Okay. And part of what I want to invite you to do is just be aware of these so then when you go into your own practice, you can think about these things some more and really see for yourself. It's not for someone else to say this is how you have to do it, but to really see which, what your goal is, if it's concentration, if it's mindfulness, if it's the synthesis of the two, and to, then to... Experiment and see which which of these styles work best for you, okay? Any question about any of that? Because I want to try and get a little more specific now about a a few of these different, uh, these two paths of Samatha and Vipassana. Okay. So what can happen if you are focusing on the concentration side. So what you would do in practice if you wanted to develop just the concentration you would tend to meditate in a way where you let all the other range of experience just kind of be in the background and you put a real preference on your breath. The way that we tend to teach meditation practice often is is that sometimes we'll give a little preference to the breath at least in the beginning as a way to kind of settle and get some concentration but then we'll we can often teach in a way where we kind of let go of any preference to the breath and we just stay with whatever's predominant. So if knee pain came, we'd let go of the breath, go to the knee, stay with that. Might hear a sound, might be the back, back to the breath, might be some emotion. You, you've pro- many of you have probably heard these kind of instructions, right? And it's staying present with whatever's arising, no preference. If you really wanted to focus on your concentration part, to the exclusion of the mindfulness, what you would tend to do is find some object, doesn't even have to be the breath, but here the breath, and you just stay on that and you tend to let everything else stay in the background. That would really, really tend to focus the concentration part, pr- probably at the expense of the mindfulness some. So if you want to do that, The way you want to practice is you want to sit in a way where you can be pretty comfortable. Because if the pain in the body gets really strong, it's going to pull you away. Now, pain, like say knee pain, can be very, very concentrating also. Very, very concentrating, right? It's a real sharp object. Very, very concentrating. And so that's fine to do that. But for here in the discussion, since we're focusing on breath meditation, then... Um, if you wanted to use that, you know, you might... You want to let other things stay in the background. We'll just say that. And you want to be able to sit steady. And you want to not... You want to keep the... The way they talk about it is guarding the sense doors, which is not so easy to do in our daily lives. But if you're on retreat, you can kind of not be looking around a lot, and keep your eyes kind of down and not be talking to people and go into reading books and everything. And you just keep yourself more and more just on the one object, just on the one object. This would be going very deep into it, right? In our daily lives, we don't have to do that. But just when we sit to meditate, it'd be nice to find a place. It doesn't have a lot of distractions. It can just be helpful. Once the concentration's really strong, it doesn't matter. Because it's so strong that, that the distractions don't, just aren't, there aren't any distractions. From the beginning it can be very useful. Find a place to be relatively comfortable. It's nice to sit upright without being overly stiff if we can, if the back is healthy. If not, you know, you might have to lie down or whatever, you know, take care of yourself, of course. But that just makes you a little more alert. And we would start to bring the mind yeah, right onto the breathing. Stay with it, stay with it. What will happen if you keep doing that is At some point, what you'll start to notice is, and this is something I want to point out for you to look out for in your practice. Look out, not watch out like a bad thing, but just to look for. So if I'm at the breath at the nose, I can feel the sensations of the breath at the nose, coolness of the air. As your samadhi, as your concentration strengthens, the actual feeling of the concentration itself will also be noticeable at the nose or wherever you are at. It could be noticeable through the whole body, too. It's a calmness. So, I want to describe it if you haven't tasted it, because I want you to be on the lookout for it when it starts to come. It's, that, it's the way you know when you've, when you've, if you're totally new to meditation, you haven't tasted it yet. For those of you who have, you know that place when you, we call dropping into the meditation. You know, you're kind of going deeper into the meditation. How do you know you're... What's the experience that tells you you actually have dropped into meditation? Versus someone who's never meditated and your mind's not training. You're just an ordinary consciousness. What is that experience? Well, it varies. But basically, it's it's for most people, it's some version of a calmness. Really a palpable feeling. It's not mysterious. You'll just know when you have a a settled-in feeling. The mind isn't wandering as much. There can be a very pleasant feeling almost in the beginning. It's not maybe that strong, but it can be a little blissful, maybe a light blissfulness, a lightness. To watch out, start noticing those things. Okay that feeling of dropping in, that's the concentration, the feeling of being concentrated. And then you'll notice, and this is the really important for, for strengthening in the, in the concentration, you'll notice then, so I'm just working at the nose, but you could try at the belly too. I don't know myself so much about the belly because I'm not a belly meditator. So, but, so I keep, you, like I say, when I say nose, you, trans, add, you substitute your own thing. At, right together, I can feel the breath, Coolness in. I know it's breathing. Samadhi's right there. Another way it can, when it really strengthens, there can actually be a feeling. Sometimes another flavor it can take is the mind is kind of gets latched on. That concentration. See, I have to use a visual to actually fully articulate the mind. It's almost like right on the breath. It's just clunk. I mean, it's stuck on there almost. There's that feeling. It's what it's 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 there's what we talk about of connecting with the breath and sustaining, connecting and sustaining. It's it's one of what are called jonic factors. You don't have to memorize these lists, but um, basically there's these five jonic factors that can arise, and you want to start watching for them as you're just doing this simple practice. This simple practice, staying with the breath, breath, the breath. The first two of these jonic factors are what we call... I won't get into the poly names, it's not important. You know, if you want, just come see me after. But it's, it's connecting and sustaining. All of us experience connecting and sustaining. When you sit here, even if you've never meditated a minute in your life, you close the eyes, you bring it to your breath. As soon as the attention comes to your breath, it is connected with the experience. Right? It's not a big, mysterious thing. That's connecting. And then as long as you're staying there until you've wandered off, you've sustained it. You've sustained the, sustained the awareness. What happens as that those two factors strengthen, once again, my visual, I mean, it's connected and sustained. It actually feels like the mind's kind of stuck right on the breath. It's not like you doing. It just starts to take over its own power. So if you start to notice a little of the mind, that feeling of it being kind of really kind of wants to go. It's like a rubber band. You know, the mind wants to go away, but there's a force that wants to pull it back. It's like everything flips right around. You know, when you first start to meditate, the mind wants to go wherever, somewhere else. You've got to bring it back. When it starts strengthening, it flips around. It wants to stay to the breath. And sometimes it'll wander off but it doesn't go so far and it doesn't go for so long. It's starting to come back. That connecting and sustaining quality is, is strengthening. So you want to watch out for that if that starts to happen, connecting and sustaining. And it can also have a real pleasantness to it, a blissfulness or just kind of a light happiness there. Those are jhanic factors also. Start to notice if it feels, wow, this feels good. You don't have to be, don't make a big thing out of bliss, just, oh man, this feels good. The, the danger, of course, is of getting attached, but don't worry about that. They say that's one of the real dangers of doing focusing just on the concentration side. That's why Mahasi wanted to get you down to the belly, right? But look, everybody gets attached to it. We're all going to get attached. It's all right. We'll get you out. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they said to me on a long retreat once. I was last year seeing this long retreat, and I was like getting into these really these great... I mean, it was great. And I went to the teacher, and I was... Kind of embarrassed about it. And I said, listen, i are supposed to be doing Vipassana. And I just said, I'm not. I'm just like, these states, they're great. <laughs> I'm just going in <laughs> and I'm just lost. The teacher said, we all, get, I couldn't believe it. I felt such really Like, like, oh, what are they going to say? They said, that happens to all of us. <laughs> it's, it's very pleasant. Don't worry about it. We'll get you out. <laughs> just go. And it was fine in my case. It's not fine if you, you know, don't report accurately to the teacher, <laughs> if you try to hide it. But you know, if you tell them they know and their job is to pull you out if you go too far. So we can talk about it now because we're talking about strengthening this aspect. If this is all you did, what we talked about now, we're going to get into this later about the mindfulness side, if all you did was develop your concentration, it would deepen, deepen, these, these, these uh, janic factors would strengthen and you would get deeper and deeper into these meditative states that are extremely pleasant. Okay? And all the difficult, you can get into states even where you're so concentrated in the breath and all that that the you don't even feel the body anymore can happen. Right? That All that can happen, that's really getting strong. So, so for a lot of people, you might be hearing this just like, well, you know, it doesn't relate to, but just say you can take it as far as you want. If that's all you did, what you would find is that you would tend to go into these concentrated states. And then when you came out of meditation, you'd be out. And it really is not the liberating practice. It will temporarily kind of solve your problem. (laughs) But when you come out, it hasn't uprooted really, this is getting away from really the theme of this, but it hasn't done the liberating work that the insight and mindfulness part does, which we'll talk about when we get to it. We're just kind of not getting there tonight. It's like if we wanted to see down to the ground. I use that example, and there's the weeds. There's two ways to see down to the ground. One is, is through developing this concentration. It's like we part the, push the weeds apart, and we can just see clearly. So you get deeply in concentration, and you can see a lot more clearly into the nature of things, of reality. But when you take your hands away, the concentration, the weeds come back. And the mindfulness is really like cutting the weeds out, so, they, so they're just gone. So the concentration is like getting a real sharp sickle to cut those weeds. But if all you do is sharpen your sickle, sharpen your sickle, that's all you do. and You never cut any weeds. So so keeping in mind that what can happen in the concentration is very, very powerful and important. It's real important. It's a huge, big deal. Matter of fact, we don't talk about it enough when we're teaching Vipassana. I think one of the reasons I've been talking to some teachers about it is because here in the West, we tend to get into this striving mind, you know, like, oh yeah, I want that, I gotta get that. And it sets us up into striving. When we're developing concentration, the way to do it is, as a matter of fact, the one thing that will kill your concentration more than anything and will prevent you from getting deep concentration is that over-efforting Putting too much, because because when you re- to really get deep, the mind actually has to be in this relaxed place to drop into the deeper some of these absorption states you can get into. So it's an interesting balance. Uh, we have to put in enough effort, but um, stay relaxed and not getting gaining and striving. And then when we do that, we're making the effort, but we're, we're not trying to get anywhere more than we're at. We're just here with this, and this is enough. And at the same time, we're doing a practice that is leading somewhere. So we don't make the concentration an object of clinging, right? Because the Buddhist teaching is about a liberation through non-clinging. So we don't want to add in clinging around the practice. If, if you haven't, if you don't know from your own experience, trust me, it's a guaranteed way to set up a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. And I've been through a lot of suffering. Some of you know my sad story of <laughs> being on long retreat, and I, I think, uh, this is one she mentioned last year. I was on a long retreat. I think for the first three months, the practice was going great, but for the first three months, I just suffered so much worrying about how the practice was going. It was just... And I went to Joseph Goldstein about it. And I was like, Joseph, you know, I'm just... you know, I'm, I had it all mapped out. Like, well, week five, it'll be like... you think I would know better, but I just fell into the trap. Second month, it'll be... I've had this happen in the past, so I thought it's going to happen. It was... Eventually, everything you need happens, but it just wasn't going on my timetable. I went to Joseph and he said, well, you know, he said to me, well, you know, Richard, the, the, the deeper truth is not about any particular meditative state. It's about the non-clinging and then that deeper liberation and that comes when, the, when on a real deep level there's non-identification, non-clinging, then a whole nother level of, of is revealed. And I said something to him like, well, Joseph, of course that's true, but in order to realize that, I got to get whatever it was you'd think I would know. So you don't want to set it up as an object of clinging. So it's, so it's real important. And the more we can be relaxed and just, just do the work, do the work, do the work without any striving, if we can do that, which is not always easy, we're doing the most we can do there. Okay? So for tonight, because we're going to run out of time, and we're going to carry this concentration part on. I can see it's going to go over to next week. I just want to kind of sum up how we can start to develop concentration with the breath. It's find your place to work. I'm big on the breath at the nose, but I have, you know, you have to put a lot of respect and some of you are belly meditators or, or whole body or whatever. And many, you know, great masters <laughs> will have you working at the belly and everything. So, you know, you know, it's, it's all good. Find your place For the concentration aspect, you want to give it some preference. Stay there and you just keep coming back. Coming back when the mind wanders away, you come back. Um, The labeling technique can be very useful also, which is like with the in and out, you can actually say, it's like a mantra, in, out. It can help the mind, in, out. Later, we'll talk about in the either next week or the third week there's a whole different uh, later on as the concentration is deepening the, 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 the usefulness of the labeling technique it's a whole different reason we're doing it it's not a mantra to keep us there it's more to help the perception quality but we'll get into that but in the beginning it can be used to just help, help you get there and be present experiment with it um, counting breaths can be very very powerful and literally you can just do something real simple just with each in and out, you know, one, two, right? Just go up to ten. Come down and start again, one to ten. And when you really get good, you can take a, you know, you can start at a hundred and just count down backwards. And you're it pretty good if you can go like from a thousand or a hundred and, and, and you're, you don't lose anything. You just never space out, never lose. And, you know, so then you know your concentration is getting stronger. So you can play things like that. It's just a concentration tool. None of this is, we're not even talking about the mindfulness here. It's just, just on the concentration side. Also, I'm going to give you another thing that I don't hear people here talk about. It's really kind of a, but it can be helpful. And that is to get a string of beads called a mala, which, you know, you'll see, especially in, well, even in Theravada countries, you'll see people doing, you know, a lot of the Tibetans, you'll see with their malas and everything. What you do is you can, I, I meant to bring one here tonight, um, I used to use one in my early days and found it was very helpful that um, but this is just pure concentration aid. You Just hold it in your hand. It can be a little short string or a long string. It doesn't have to be any special beads, anything. And you just hold it between, I usually between my fourth and my finger, and my thumb, and I roll with each breath. I'll, I'll, if you can see, I, I'll hold it down here and I'll just literally go as I'm saying in and out. I don't do this anymore, but I'm just saying it's so a way you can do you, you can literally go with your thumb with each bead in out. You grab a bead and pull it back through your thumb, in, out, in, out. That really makes a big difference. When my daughter was on her first meditation retreat, she was really struggling to concentrate. So I went and got a mala for her she just and she just, it just broke it wide open for her. So that can be very helpful. You can experiment with these things. Don't get attached to the mala. You're going to want to let it go when you get to a certain point. You want to drop it away. And then the last piece I want to add, those are all just things to use in the beginning. these jhanic factors I was talking about. If you just don't worry about anything, just stay with the breath, however you experience. But once you start feeling those, uh, at first, I call them those first aha experiences. Wow, I'm starting to, I felt it. I'm dropping into the meditation. I'm saying this in a, nobody talks like this kind of a crude way, but I'm just trying to say it the best I can. Um, You start feeling that feeling. Notice that too. In addition to the sensations of the breath, in addition to the rising, falling movement, or the, at the breath, the actual, that connecting and sustaining part. It can be actually a one-pointedness called ekagata. It's just staying on one point. There, the feeling of the one-pointedness, the, the connecting, sustaining, or the blissful, joyful part. And what you'll find is, and this will be the last piece because we're going to be out of time soon. What you'll find is, is sometimes as that part starts to strengthen those janic factors. Sometimes, naturally, without you doing anything, you'll be more aware of the bre- of the actual sensations of the breath, just like always. And the jonic factors part will be kind of in the background. Sometimes, naturally, the mind will naturally pick up on those jonic factors part. I'm just telling you this for when you get there so you know. And the breath sensations aren't as strong, and that's fine. You want to let the mind go there, right into those jonic factors part. Feeling that connecting, sustaining quality, or that calmness, or that pleasantness or blissfulness itself. You can go right into that. And that's a, that can really strengthen that. And sometimes we actually start to lose the sensations and we start to go right into there to strengthen. it. So I'm focusing on that part tonight. I just want, got to re- say this again. If we were giving normal instructions, I wouldn't just leave it at that. Because it's real important to bring the mindfulness piece in too. And that's what we're going to do as we move forward in this series of how we can it's all can come in, so we don't get too. Because if you just went off and did this, and just went with those jhanic factors, you would go into this kind of concentration that Don was talking about called fixed concentration. Your mind would get so fixed on just the samadhi itself, you would actually lose the changing flow. Your body's awareness would kind of fall away. Because the concentration would be you'd be so concentrated on the object, the breath, that it's like nothing else can get in there into your awareness. And you can go often and then, you know have a pleasant time. But it is a diluted kind of consciousness uh, kind of concentration in and of itself, if not used properly, because it's just a meditative state that, like everything else, doesn't last, is impermanent, is inherently unsatisfactory, and is not self. So it can be a trap. And that's what we need to know about concentration is it's got its potential pitfalls, but it's also so vitally important, okay? So I was trying to throw in uh, just enough tips so you can get a sense of how to start working to really using the breath just to really get your concentration going. Don't have much time for questions. Some of them may have to go over to next time, but maybe we could take a question or two quick if there is anything. And then we'll slow it down next time and really maybe I I know I was going pretty fast with all this. Okay. No questions? Hey, I have a quick question. Yeah. One of the things that arises and I'm not a very practiced meditator, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know panic sometimes right. it, you know I can sit for a half hour at 45 minutes but those things come and I have to breathe through it right right Um that your advice would just be even just for that just to keep coming back to the breath well that's a big topic and so um I'll actually are you going to be here next time so I want to try and talk about it, but, but that's very important because for many of us, especially as we sit down, I'll just say this, for many, many, many people as we sit down to meditate, it's not like we just sit down and we get calmer and calmer. It's like we slow down, and we stop. All the distractions of life have been taken away, and all the stuff inside that's been waiting to bubble up and has been covered over comes roaring up, and it's real common. And then it's not like we're not, we can't keep it. Then we're doing a different kind of practice. And it's not about getting real concentrated on the breath. What's needed in that moment, what's strong and compelling is something else. And we're really focusing on the mindfulness and the vipassana side is needed there. And then we need to have to do, so we're not trying to deny anything. Tonight, I am just happen to be emphasizing the concentration and giving some tips and tools that we can use to really deepen that. When we talk about the mindfulness side, we're more gonna be emphasizing working on everything else. And then we're gonna see, well, how do they come together? We don't want to start shoving parts of ourselves down or anything. It can be very, uh, it's not good for us to do. Yeah, I guess my question would be, can you still work to the concentration sure. when those things come up? Right, and we're going to get, that's where we're kind of heading in this three-week thing we're going to talk about. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah okay, we're up against the clock. Yes? Um, can you explain that metaphor that you were using in the end that you want to see the ground that covers the ground? removing the grass or something? Boy. The Vipassana is when you actually see yeah. it clearly. Yeah, Here, here's what we'll do. I think next time when we actually start to, we'll still have to follow up a little, we're not done on the concentration, but when we move into the mindfulness part, I think it would be useful to back up and just talk about like, well, what are we? what's Vipassana trying to do? What's the goal? How does it work? What What is it doing that's liberating? What is this liberation or freedom in, in, in these teachings there? And then we can see and then, so what is it about? Why concentration is a tool, but doesn't do that for us, and why it's really the, ultimately that mindfulness with the concentration that does it? So we just—it's such a big topic. I hope—I don't know if you can come back or not. I, I just don't have time to do it. We're gonna, we're up against the time. So let's do this. Um, it's nine o'clock now, which is the ending time. So I'm going to do about two minutes of metta to end. But I want to say, if you need to leave, because I know it's the ending time, please, you know, do what you have to do. Leave. Don't feel, you know, just please go. Because I acknowledge that we went over. And this will be very, very short to end. So what I would invite you to do is Sometimes when there's a discussion um, our minds can come out into the room or into the discussion, and if that's happened with you Just to bring your awareness back in connecting into the body And just feeling whatever your experience any emotions thoughts body sensations Perhaps whatever your experience is pleasant perhaps it's difficult or unpleasant And just to see how you're holding, what's your relationship with this experience right now. Can you hold yourself with just this great, tremendous, um, it's really a a, a self-acceptance. Just that allowing ourselves to just to be and to show up just how we are in this moment is a tremendous act of kindness for ourselves. And if there is some place that you're not able to accept or allow to be, then have some acceptance for that place. And then, out of that place of self acceptance, if you'd like, you could start just to send some metta to yourself this word metta, loving kindness, which could be a felt sense or, you know, a wish or a prayer. We often use these simple classical phrases which are very powerful. You could just repeat, may I be happy? Or may I be be peaceful? Or may I be free from suffering? And then allowing your awareness, if you, you could stay with yourself or if you'd like, expanding out to radiate out to all the others here in the room that same metta and then on out into the community into the world and and beyond to include all beings uh, those near and dear to us those we don't know even the difficult ones so it could be a wish you know, just as I wish to be happy May all beings everywhere be happy. Just as I wish to be peaceful or free from suffering, may all beings be peaceful and free. And then finally, to end with this, um, this is from the Buddha, Buddha's words on loving kindness. Thank you all. Have a good evening.